Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 119, Goals Gone Wild, The New Performance Management, featuring Chris Duggan of BetterWorks. Hey, Engagers, two quick things before we jump into this show. First, our firm, Aspinel Communications, has lots of experience helping organizations communicate to their workforce about strategic goals and about performance management. To talk about how we can help you, reach out to us through our website at AspendaleCommunications.com. Second, if you want more information about our guest, Chris Duggan, and the BetterWorks web-based platform, listen to our recent interview on our Game Changer podcast. You can search for Game Changer in iTunes and Stitcher or on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash GC31 as in Game Changer episode 31. Leadership inspired trust, passion, and action. Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. When was the last time you conducted formal performance reviews with your team? Did most people on your team walk out of that conversation? energized, and engaged? Okay, now think about this. Have you provided specific feedback on individual performance several times to all of your direct reports since the last formal review? Hmm. If you aren't able to answer yes to both questions, you probably understand why performance management can be tough. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Engaging Leader, you know why performance feedback is so important. But just think about all the leaders at your organization who really suck at it and how disengaging that must be for people on their team. You know, research shows most people are not happy with annual performance reviews, not executives, not managers, and not individual contributors. According to today's guest, Chris Duggan, that's because traditional performance management processes and systems no longer accurately reflect the way we work. And many people would argue they never did. At Aspendale, we've helped several organizations as they re-engineered their approach to performance management. It's been a problem that goes back for decades. But new trends and new technologies may offer hope that teams and individuals can get what they need without all the headaches that traditionally come from annual performance reviews. Chris Duggan is CEO of BetterWorks, which provides a gamified goals platform for the enterprise. Today, we'll talk about the trends and opportunities that make up the new performance management. Chris Duggan, welcome to Engaging Leader. Thank you, Jesse. Chris, today's workforce, which is more and more made up of millennials, wants feedback more often. What does that mean for leaders? I think, you know, if you have a, uh, if you're like most companies, uh, you're going to have a sizable millennial workforce. And, you know, the first thing I hear from leaders is, oh, you know, we need to, you know, these millennials, they need to be treated differently. They're they're, they're, they're a different kind of uh, cohort within my organization. And, you know, by the way, one thing I, I see is that millennials, while they might have the courage to ask for change and demand a new way of working, the things that they're asking for, like feedback, like clarity of purpose, like knowing the big picture, like having better transparency and visibility into the company and what other people are working on and how their work matters – those things actually benefit everybody in the company. And we shouldn't treat them as necessarily kind of this special cohort where we're doing all these special things for them. It's more they're driving the change that everybody's going to benefit from. 
Let's talk a little about the recent publication from Burson by Deloitte. The Guide to Performance Management Software 2015 says, Almost everything done traditionally in HR has to be re-engineered. The younger, more mobile, more agile workforce and workplace we now live in demands new approaches. Chris, how does that apply to performance management? I mean, there, there's a ton of research in this area around millennials. Uh, you know, for example, a third of millennials say that doing meaningful work is the most important thing in the workplace for them, more important than a high-paying salary. They also, 40% of millennials say they want weekly feedback on performance. You know, and the, the things that they're motivated by and, and how they want to engage are, you know, are, are kind of forcing this kind of change in, in the workplace. Uh, and, you know, and, and for example, in most companies today, they do an annual performance uh, review process. They don't engage weekly or monthly or quarterly with their, their, their folks. And there's so much data that shows, you know, how unsuccessful this annual performance review process is. In fact, only 6% of organizations believe their current process for managing performance is worth the time investment that they're making. 94% of those companies don't even think it's worth the time that they're putting into it. Uh, and so clearly something has to change here. Wow, that's that is amazing. And if you tell your average manager that okay, we want to make we want you to provide feedback every week to every employee that works reports to you, <laughs> you're gonna their eyes are gonna roll. What a challenge! Yeah, and and I so I, I think there is a big behavior change that has to kind of take place here. And by the way, you know most companies today still do goal setting annually. And that's because their performance management process is annual. And the last stat I saw is about 55 to 60% of companies are annual in their cadence. And there's a bunch of clear data that shows that moving to a quarterly cadence uh, actually has a, a substantial impact on business results. And you're three and a half times more likely to be a high performer if you're doing quarterly goal setting than annual goal setting. And so, you know, that's a lot of stats, but I think the summary of all of this is, you know, just like... I don't know if you remember, you know, product management of yesteryear used to be like waterfall, you know, specs that took 18 months to ship. And, you know, and, and now the world is agile. And that's how products get built. And that that same metaphor has to be now applied to how we do people management. And it's going to go from annual to weekly, monthly and quarterly. And the companies that do that are going to execute. And the companies that don't do that are going to fall behind. Yeah, the typical company wants employees to be more flexible and yet has a lot of these antiquated processes that actually discourage flexibility, that agile thinking. Absolutely. So that is amazing that quarterly goal setting can produce results that are more than three times as effective as annual goal setting. That's just something to pause and reflect on. I don't think people are aware of that. So the raises the question whether to focus more on goal management versus performance management. I, in your research, you've decided to separate those two. Yeah. So I, what I would say is that in the, the old way of working is that performance management, goal management, and even compensation were all the same thing and all very related. Yes. And I think what we're seeing is that the world is a more sophisticated place and goal management and performance management and compensation while potentially overlapping 
they are separate and distinct things and they require a strategy and you know for for each of those things and so obviously the the thing that we're kind of focused on is goal management and you know i think the big change that we're seeing in in the market is by kind of decoupling goal management performance management it allows you to set stretch goals uh, without fear of being kind of penalized or the implications of that when it comes to your performance review. It allows you to focus on just the actual work that people are working on, not just the stuff that you say you're going to do for the purposes of an evaluation. And, you know, is, is actually, you know, much more kind of, you know, focused on, you know, here and now. And this is the, these are the things that matter. And so that doesn't mean that goal management doesn't, you know, it kind of maybe inform your performance evaluation, your achievements. You know, I, I would, at the end of the year, I probably would print off all of my achievements from BetterWorks or whatever goal management system I'm using and take that to my performance review. And we get whatever the company's performance review process is, we'll talk about those achievements as part of that. We'll probably talk about other things too, though, like my values and behaviors and how I demonstrated those things, the how I worked. And we might even talk about my learning and development and growth, professional growth opportunities and development opportunities. All of those things are inputs into performance evaluations. I guess the point being is that once you kind of separate them, though, you can focus your employees on working on the right things and not being worried about, you know, taking risks and stretching themselves and, and whatnot. And I think that's the kind of culture that we're trying to facilitate for companies. Yes, because for one thing, setting stretch goals is a best practice. It does cause people to perform better and actually even have greater faith in themselves that they will achieve their goals than not. And I recall maybe 15 years ago, there was a growing trend among companies to decouple the compensation process, whether that's bonuses or salary increases, from performance management, that they had become too fixed. It's formula-driven in a lot of organizations. And so now you're saying the trend is take it a step further and actually decouple the goal-setting process from performance management in order to let the goal-setting process carry its own benefits. I guess maybe the way, easiest way to think about it is if you have five goals and you end up at 83% for those, that doesn't mean you scored 83% on your performance evaluation. You know, 83% might be really good because you stretched really hard and you, you know, landed, you know, stretched for the stars and landed on the moon, you know, or it might be really not great and it needs, we need to kind of talk about it. And that's something where I think the manager's role is actually facilitating helping the employee reach their full potential. And once it actually, once the scoring and the kind of the progress, all this stuff is only just used to get better and it doesn't actually, you know, impact how much you're going to pay me or, my bonus or things like that, then, you know, then I think it frees up a lot of cycles to focus on the right things. Now, that doesn't mean, for example, that goals never impact, you know, compensation. And, you know, a simple example would be as follows. If I am a salesperson, you know, maybe the, the typical bias might be of somebody that, you know, isn't really kind of a thinking in this modern goal setting, you know, way would be, oh, they already have goals. Their goal is, sell their quota and we pay them compensation and for that and, and commissions and we performance evaluate them on that. It's all related. It's all the same stuff. Well, you know, if you say, okay, well, fine. Well, what this quarter, like what are, what's really important for that salesperson to focus on? Well, they'll say, oh, well, that's obvious. They need to open up the healthcare vertical by signing three new customers. 
they need to definitely brief 50 new executives uh, on the on the product. Uh, we just launched this new product, and so I want to get their product kind of that new product mix, you know, to 50 percent. And I'd really like them to mentor this new hire, you know, and really work with them on something like that. And so we, you know, we just came up with four or five goals that, you know, would be captured in goal management that wouldn't ever be captured in the kind of a traditional performance management cycle. And one of those goals still happens to be sell their quota. And one of their five goals still happens to drive their commission and compensation. But four of those five goals have nothing to do with the outputs that, you know, kind of drive that compensation. You remind me of a scenario I've seen with a lot of organizations where there gets to be so many goals that people get unfocused. Even in, in the sales department, I've seen where they've got like 12 different goals. And it's even worse when it's formula driven into their compensation. And so 1.5% of their compensation is based on such and such goal. Well, you can't really actually expect people to divide their attention 12 different ways consistently and effectively. How does BetterWorks help people actually create better goals and smarter goals and more focused goals? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, so one of the things that we show, you know, anybody that has a, uh, kind of a, a profile in our system, we generate like a little user card that hovers any, over any name or we show them some stats. And we always show how many goals you have and we show you what your current progress is against your goals. And then we also actually show you your alignment score. And your alignment score is how many of your goals contribute to goals that aren't your own, right? And and so uh, and, and and you know we can make some suggestions and recommendations to users. For example, if you don't have any goals, you should probably just get some goals in the system. Just write down anything. Just put some goals in there. And and so we suggest users to do that. And if you have too many goals. And, you know, too many is kind of a subjective thing. But, for example, if we all have five or six goals and Bob has, like, 15 goals, I think we need to have a conversation with Bob, <laughs> right? It, what's interesting is it's more likely that there are some – maybe there's some key people in the company that are these critical dependencies that nobody even knew that all these different dependencies existed on that person. Mm. And our product actually surfaces that and says, oh, my gosh, did you know Bob has 15 goals? Not because he's like just like lack of focus, but actually because all these four or five departments have so many dependencies on Bob that we need to get Bob some help. And it's like, Bob, you should drop this, defer that, ignore this, you know, and repurpose that. And, and so it doesn't replace the need for communication and management. But I think making these things much more objective and explicit now allows us to have the right conversations. Hmm. You and I talked in Game Changer episode 31 about the five key pillars of what you call goal science. One of them, the first of them being connected. And so that's what you're talking about, where goals are aligned vertically, cross-functionally, and with your company's mission. So does making that happen require a lot of upfront set up so that uh, the organization can say how these things should be aligned or is it something that sort of naturally occurs as people create goals? Does the system sort of guess where there's alignment? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so I would say it's more on the organic side. Hmm. Uh, and the way that we do it is 
it, it, it's a, it, this is going to sound very simple and but at the same time extremely innovative but doing what we did was less work than if we had tried to build a more traditional system and so here's what we did we basically said that anybody can create a goal and anybody can become a contributor to anybody's goal and it's we don't respect the org chart structure permissions you can't do this you can't do that now clearly you could set some goals to being private or you know you could kind of add some things to make that not happen if you really didn't want to do that but by saying like we're not going to respect the the kind of the permissioning concepts that in order to make goals as frictionless and collaborative as as, as possible um you know then that that actually allows goals to happen very quickly top down bottoms up sideways add this add this you know sometimes you might say hey guys i i put in my like top five initiatives but i didn't build them out why don't you spend the weekend and add your the details around how we're going to execute on these key initiatives or it might be hey you know what i saw that you're working on this thing can i become a contributor to that and the second thing that we did was a lot of these systems have uh very very uh detailed workflows like, oh, if you're going to request to add, request to unlock, permissions to, be, you know, be this. And we just said, you know what? It's too hard to add all that stuff. Nobody <laughs> wants to use it. Let's just basically assume good intent. Anybody can add anything to anybody. If you add something to my thing, you, you know, I'm going to get a notification. If I invite you to become a contributor, you're going to get a notification. But there's no, like, permission or knock-knock door to enter request it's basically it happened and if i want to delete you or remove you from that goal you'll get a notification saying you know uh, chris deleted your contribution but by removing all that extra friction it's made it much, much you know much more simple much easier and people actually end up using it are all the goals set uh, attached to individuals or are they uh, can they be attached to teams so for example let's say i'm a vp of a functional area, let's say the vice president of human resources, do I set goals uh, for me, the VP, or do I set goals for the HR uh, leadership team? Yep. So all, all of the above, what I would say is that we did kind of start with a basic assumption that goals ultimately should be owned by a person, but many people could become contributors to a goal. And so that's how you get to this kind of like team goal kind of concept. But people are each owning the con contribution that they make. We, we, we decided not to have a system where we can just say Bob and Lisa and Jenny are going to have share a goal. And, you know, it's kind of like really unclear who really ultimately needs to kind of own this. And hopefully they all kind of figure it out. You know, it's like Bob can own the goal and Jenny and Lisa and and others can contribute to it, but they have a piece that's kind of contributing to that, uh, you know, to the ultimate thing. And you know, I, I think that bias is is correct. I, I do see that you know people definitely want to identify what are the key departmental goals or top goals or top company goals, and they want to identify like maybe flag certain types of goals as being super important, and we allow that to happen. But we definitely have kind of focused on this like. Goals are ultimately owned by people, and that, that's, a, that's the structure that has to kind of be maintained. Interestingly, by the way, 
you know, I, I, uh, in our other session, we talked about cheering and nudging. Anybody can cheer and nudge anybody. And we were inspired by Fitbit when we did that. And those are very lightweight social gestures to allow people to give feedback, either cheer or positive feedback or nudge is kind of like a, hey, what's going on here? And one thing that was important in our design was that you can't cheer and nudge people, but you can cheer and nudge their goals. Hmm. And so I think that's a it's an interesting kind of difference. It's an important difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it keeps the focus on performance and results rather than worrying about uh anybody taking criticism personally. Yeah. Hmm. Another one of the five key pillars is adaptable and reflecting just the fast changing environment that we're in today. Let's say I'm a CEO and I set a goal. uh, One of my, let's say it's one of my top three goals and I've got lots of people signed up to contribute to those. And then we get, two months down the road and I things change and now I realize that's really not one of my highest priorities. How, what happens with everybody else in that? It's one thing if it's just my personal goal, I can say, okay, that's, that's not one of my top three anymore. But if I've got all these other people contributing to that, what happens? So I think, you know, you have to make a judgment call. Maybe, maybe you comment on the goal saying, and you add mention those contributors saying, Bob, Lisa, Jenny, Priorities have changed. I think we need to defer this goal. It's, it was important a month ago, but you know, the competition has just done this and we need to de-emphasize this and we need to focus on this other thing. And I'm going to go ahead and archive the goal and you can just archive it and it lets everybody know that it's been archived. They can, like, they could continue to work on their contribution if they think that's important or they could archive their contribution as well. Hmm. And the point being is that you know, like imagine the the world that where you couldn't do all of this and you can't communicate around this stuff. People end up maybe working on things that aren't actually the things that you want them working on. I spoke with one business leader recently and he told me uh, that he, he was worried that 25% of his workforce was working on the wrong thing. And it wasn't because they were you know, mischievous or <laughs> they're actually working on the things that they think are the right things, but there's just a lack of coordination around what's important. And that, that example that you talked about, that market change drove one person's behavior, but not a ten, the other 10 or hundred people that that impacted. And, you know, it just, things got out of sync. And, and I, I think there's a huge opportunity to get much more buttoned up in, in, in these areas. Yeah, Absolutely. Getting back to the performance management publication from Burson by Deloitte, in addition to today's workforce being more agile and wanting more feedback, they're also more mobile. Chris, how does that affect goal management and performance management? Yeah, I mean, people want to engage on web, on mobile, in email, in Outlook, on mobile web, on in iOS. Uh, you know, we even have an Apple Watch app that uh, you know people can use. And, you know, I think people want to work wherever they want to work. And, you know, and some are in the field, some are in remote offices, some are in corporate. And so I think, you know, it's, it's important to kind of give people the flexibility around that. Um, you know, I think, uh, and, and by the way, Burson at Deloitte, uh, you know, they, they put out a lot of research in this area. We work, we actually work very closely with Josh Burson from Deloitte. He's an advisor to BetterWorks. Hmm. And, you know, and, 
you know, that's where I learned about the, the stat that only 6% of companies think that their current process for doing performance management is worth the time investment. Wow. That 94% don't. And, you know, I think the market really is uh, rethinking performance management, rethinking goal management, you know, trying to become more frequent, being more open, more collaborative, more cross-functional. And I think these are the kinds of technologies that are going to facilitate that those kinds of changes. Since it's generally better to give praise publicly, but if you've got negative feedback or constructive feedback to give, a lot of times that needs to be given privately. Is there a way to do that within BetterWorks, to be private with certain types of feedback? Yep. So uh, while you can have any goal that's public or private or private to a team, you can also add comments publicly or privately. And um, and so, you know, cheering and nudging is a very public thing. That's, that's okay to be out in the open. And I think if you gave, you know, commenting, you know, as you mentioned, praise and constructive, you know, praise, definitely public, probably constructive feedback, you know, is something that could be done in a more private kind of manner. Mm-hmm. And I think it really depends on kind of, you know, how, you know, what's the culture of the company, how they want to do those kinds of things. Uh, what's interesting for us is now we can start to report on like how, which managers in the company are engaging with their 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 teams in this way, which ones are giving feedback, who's even looking at goals, who's managing this way. And those can be really valuable insights to the company around, you know, which teams are engaged, which departments have great leadership. Uh, and I think creates a ton of data signals that companies can now tap into that they never had access to before. Hmm. Chris, where can people find out more about you and your work at, at BetterWorks? Yeah, just visit our website, betterworks.com. And we also have a great blog, which goes into a lot of details on many of the topics that we talked about. Chris Duggan, CEO of BetterWorks, thank you for joining us on Engaging Leader. Thanks, Jesse. All right, Engagers. Remember, if you want more information about Chris and the BetterWorks web-based platform, listen to our recent interview on our Game Changer podcast. You can search for Game Changer in iTunes and Stitcher, or you can visit our website at engagingleader.com forward slash GC31, as in Game Changer, episode 31. We'll provide that information as well as the other links that Chris mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash 119, as in episode 119. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engagingleader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about.